The shortest quote that we look at from St. Teresa of Avila, and it's also in Spanish. Some of you may know this. This is one that I've actually talked about before in other retreats. She would often, talking to her sisters, say these two words, con pantalones, with pants, with pants. What does that mean? She was basically saying, be a man, toughen up, quit whining and complaining about how difficult things are. And she realized that in order to truly grow in holiness, particularly to live in the Carmelite convent, there are going to be certain manly virtues, traditionally manly virtues, the sisters need to have. Not that they deny their femininity, not that they deny their emotions and feelings, but basically you could kind of translate Colin Pantalones as no drama, no more. We need to be courageous and manly in living out the faith. Now, I'm going to say right at the beginning here, do not want the gender theory police to come try to arrest me for adhering to such ancient, stereotypical, patriarchal visions of men and their social roles and the female social roles. And I understand that is a discussion that can be had. But I don't think Teresa is saying, in any way, shape, or form, that men are tougher than women. We all know women have a tremendous ability to suffer. I tell you right now, I do not want to give birth. I never want to give birth. I don't even want to think about what that's like. Women have their own strength interiorly, if the man maybe and traditionally has a greater physical strength. But there are certain male traits that are traditionally male traits that she wanted her sisters to imitate and exemplify. So, so again, I was thinking maybe we could be fair and maybe say to men, con faldas. Again, we're not trying to encourage men to wear skirts or to be transvestites, but there are certain traditionally feminine traits, feminine traits that men should be able to exemplify. Tenderness, kindness, a nurturing ability. Not all the time, but it's not like men shouldn't also have certain feminine traits, getting in touch with your emotions, getting, learning how to love and give of oneself in that radical way. So it kind of goes both ways. So, so what I want to say is we're, we're not talking about things that just you as women should have or things that men should have. These are traits that all Christians should exemplify, men and women alike, to have the con pantalones, as we're going to see why at the very, very end of today's talk, what that really, really means. We all have to face the cross, men and women alike. We all are going to have to learn to be the bee and not the spider. We're all going to have crosses that are heavy, trials and difficulties that come time in our life, and we're going to be able to have to press forward, particularly, I think, ladies, with what we as a culture are facing today. Now, granted, thank goodness, we are not facing in the United States what our Christian brothers and sisters are facing in the Middle East. We're not facing the threat of ISIS. We're not facing the threat of genocide and being beheaded. And we pray for it in solidarity with our Christians who are facing 
that tremendous threat at the hands of these Islamic terrorists. But we're facing our own threats. We can't just say, well, because what's going on over there is much worse, that what we're facing is not bad. And I can tell you from what I've witnessed over the course of the past five to ten years, it's getting bad and it's going to continue to get worse. Particularly our religious freedom and ability to stand up for what we as Catholics believe and explain in the public square is going to become more and more difficult. So as I said earlier, we need strength. We need courage, con pantalones, to be able to stand up for what we believe in the face of danger and still proclaim it. C.S. Lewis in his great book, The Abolition of Man, there's the chapter in there called Men Without Chests. You know, this idea that we have the chest and that we're strong. We sort of destroy that ability of strength, of ability for people to stand up for what they really believe and to think straight about things. Especially now, especially now, we as Christians cannot afford to be wimps. Men and women alike have got to put on their pants and have got to stand up strong for what they believe. Always in love, always in kindness, always in, in, in gentleness, but sometimes in firmness. And you know this, and ladies, and, and raising your children. You can be kind and firm, but sometimes you've got to crack that whip. Sometimes there's got to be that tough love. And the same thing goes when it comes to living our faith. And so how is it in facing trials and facing suffering and facing the cross and, and wanting to become holier and knowing that these come from the Lord and that he's permitted them for some reason, how can we grow in holiness? How can we live con pantalones? And so as I've been doing I came up with five ways, five ways that I think that we as men and women, because I'm sure some people who are men are going to listen to these talks eventually. Maybe you're going to buy them and give them to your husband and say, you have to listen to this. Because your husbands need conversions. How can we live con pantalones? The first is this, and it's something I've talked about earlier. We have got to be willing to take risks for Jesus. We've got to be willing to take risks, particularly when we feel the Lord calling us to do something. We cannot allow fear and anxiety and insecurity to cripple us so that we don't act. The moment passes us by. We've got to be able to overcome our fear. And so this is sort of a... a, a a way that we really can look at some of these traditional male traits. I was thinking about soldiers. I mean, imagine the soldiers on those boats on D-Day approaching the beach of Normandy. Imagine how scared they were. But yet, they weren't like, I'm excited, I get to storm the beach of Normandy. But they overcame that fear, and they went out and they did what had to be done. Many of them died, many of them gave their lives, but they were willing to take that risk for the greater good. That's con pantalones. Father Jacques Philippe, who I mentioned last night, talks about this, this fear that people have. We want God to sustain us and to give us the strength to move forward and carry our cross. But he uses the analogy of being in a plane and wanting to jump out. And you're not, and he says, you're not going to feel the tug of the parachute until you jump out of the plane. We want God to like make us feel all nice and secure 
before we jump out. No, you're not going to feel the tug until you jump out of the plane. Again, that's a soldier analogy. We've got to take that first step. We've got to say, Lord, I'm, I'm stepping out into the breach. I don't understand how you're going to do this. This is a very, very big cross, but I trust you're going to support me. But we want to have assurance of that support before we even step out. Let's, let's tie that into Scripture. Matthew chapter 14, one of my favorite passages. They see Jesus walking on the water, and Peter says, If it's you, Lord, call me to come out on the water. And Jesus calls Peter's bluff and says, Come out. And Jesus doesn't, like, lift Peter up magically and put him on the water. Peter has got to step out before he can feel the Lord sustain him. Ladies, you've got to take the risk. And Peter was scared. What if I drown? Look at the storm. What about, what are my friends going to think? But he was the one who had to step out of the boat. Then the Lord sustained him. But of course, he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to stink, sink. We've got to step out of the boat. But it's not only men, women too. We've got to learn to overcome their fear to say yes. If you read the account of the Annunciation, when the angel appeared to Mary, Mary was fearful. She didn't understand everything the angel was saying. How is this possible? I've not known man. The angel didn't sit here and explain everything that was going to happen to Mary. Well, next week this is going to happen. In two years this is going to happen. In 20 years this is going to happen. She said, no, trust us. This is what the father wants. Can you say yes? And she did say yes. She overcome her fear and she stepped out and the Lord's grace overshadowed her and overwhelmed her. Think of the great female martyrs, too. Thinking of St. Joan of Arc, who's willing to step out in fear, to stand her ground. We have great examples of men and women, but ultimately the root is what we're celebrating today. Jesus, I trust in you. Not trusting in their own abilities, but saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you are going to open that parachute. Lord, I trust that you are going to sustain me. I trust that you are going to make sure that I get to the shore no matter how difficult and no matter how dark it seems. That should be our prayer. Jesus, I trust in you. Is it, is it going to be frightening sometimes? Yes, but we've got to take the risk. And too often, as we talked about, people, I see particularly women, are too fearful to take that risk and follow the Lord into the darkness. The second one is this, perseverance. A manly virtue, con pantalones, is the virtue of perseverance or, or what we might call long-suffering. There are some crosses we receive that are like a pinprick. They come and they go. You know, it's our, our back pain that flares up today, but it's gone tomorrow. Or we take some Advil and we feel better. And that's nice when we have crosses like that, but that's not how all the crosses are. Some of our crosses last a really long time. Our darkness and our trials can last months, if not years. And these are the crosses, a lot of them we talked about. Crosses that may be our physical health deteriorating. Crosses in our family. Crosses in our society and culture, whatever it is. These things can last a long time. And so we need that grace of perseverance to be able to push through no matter how difficult it is. And it's a gift that we can pray for. Lord, give me perseverance so that I can push through. 
And again, no matter how bad we think we may have it, you think of the example in the history of the church, particularly in the 20th century, the rise of, of Nazism and communism, the good people who were thrown into concentration camps and prison camps, many of them in solitary confinement for years, tortured without food, but still were able to persevere and come out on the other end, either as a martyr or living, and to be able to continue preaching the gospel. Some powerful witnesses. They were able to endure this and not become venomous, not become bitter, but to be able to persevere and to still maintain holiness and the desires to give of oneself. Because ultimately, perseverance helps us to never give up hope. Hope is belief in the next world. Hope is belief that the Lord is going to bring some good out of this. But we're in the midst of a long trial or a long period of darkness. And the Lord is purifying us. We may not realize it, but we may say, this has gone on too long. I can't handle it anymore. Why, why would God do this to me? He can't love me. This can't be the right thing. And so we're tempted to give up. We're tempted to despair and to lose hope. Con pantalones means we keep pressing on no matter how difficult it is. Now, granted, it could be a grace or it could also be hard-headedness. Men can sometimes be hard-headed. But we've got to be able to push, push forward. Particularly, I think, ladies in prayer. Whenever that distraction comes, whenever we don't feel anything, when there's the darkness and the dryness and we want to give up, our spiritual fervor dies down. And one of the great plagues that we have in our church today is that sin of sloth. Not laziness, but spiritual apathy. And it's one of the, the, the seven deadly sins. In fact, I saw in the bookstore, there's a new book that was just written on this. It explains it a lot more. It's a particular plague today. People who are, are not necessarily bad people, they're good Christians, but they just kind of go through the motions. And they allow sin and the darkness to reign in their lives, and they just sort of lose their fire. And therefore, the faith begins to die down. It takes perseverance to be able to move through this and to maintain our strength. And if we can, if we can persevere, there can be a tremendous purification. Many graces can be received. We can come out and the Lord can make us into very, very large saints but our willingness to participate and persevere with these things and allow the Lord to transform us. Number three, now this is the one that may make some of you storm out, but we're going to have to talk about it. And this is something that affects, again, both men and women. We're going to have con pantalones. We have to sometimes put thinking before feeling. Thinking before feeling. That's what men like to do. We don't like to feel. We like to think. Everything has to be rational and logical. Now, this is a hard one because you say, well, Father, yesterday you said to, to become a saint, one must love much, not think much. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that we have to abandon thinking. What it really doesn't mean is that we should not always allow our emotions and our feelings, regardless if it's love or whatever, to supersede and replace thinking. This becomes very, very dangerous. Particularly, we have a problem with this. Catholics and non-Catholics alike who make decisions, 
who form their morals not according to reason, but according to their feelings. And one of the big issues that we're facing today is this idea of compassion. We all want to be compassionate. We want to show mercy. And today we're celebrating divine mercy. But there can be a false compassion. And one example of this. Oh, look at someone who's really, really suffering. It's so terrible. I don't want to see my loved one suffering. It tears me apart. So therefore, I think we should be able to euthanize this person. We should allow them to kill themselves. That's the merciful thing to do. That's not merciful. That's false compassion. It's false compassion. Or the young woman who's 14 years old, and she's pregnant, and her boyfriend is abusive, and her parents don't want to have the child. Our heart goes out to this young woman. It really, really does. It's a terrible situation. But the argument is, we need to be compassionate. I'm going to drive her to have an abortion. That's the compassionate thing to do. No, it's not. Killing her child's not the compassionate thing to do. And so what happens is we allow our emotions to overtake our reason. But they both have to work together. We could say, listen, it's never justified to kill an innocent child. It's not a good thing to kill someone who is old because they're suffering. It's not. How can we still maintain the truth but also show true compassion? And these are life issues, but the real sticking point, ladies, the real sticking point is going to come and is coming now with issues of sexuality and marriage. Because we're hearing about it in the news, and so many people allow their emotions and feelings, well, I love this person, I don't want to see them suffer. They, 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 they're like this, and, and they should be happy. Allowing our emotions and feelings to trump our reason, to trump our reason and understanding what's right and what's wrong. And so what's happening, and I see in the culture, regardless of where one's position is on these, these subjects, people don't ask questions anymore. They don't ask questions. They just go ahead and believe this. Oh, he was born that way. How do you know? Oh, so-and-so is gay. Please define that for me. What does it mean to say someone is gay? Oh, this person has this sexual orientation. Well, what does that even mean? We just say these things and we don't question and we don't think about it. There's some much deeper questions that need to be addressed. The main question we need to address, and this takes reason, is does sex have a purpose? Does it have a purpose? Yes or no? I'm not going to answer that question now, but we need to think about it. We need to dialogue and discuss about it and use reason. We need to have love. We need to have mercy and compassion, but we still need to think clearly. Particularly in these issues where our feelings and emotions and passions come up so much, they blind our ability to think about things and to talk about things objectively. Well, I feel this way, or I feel that way. You know what? It really doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what is. I can have all these certain feelings, but if it's not in accord with what's true and what our reason can know, then guess what? I'm wrong, and I've got to be able to admit that. It doesn't mean that we become heartless, but particularly when we're discussing public policy and these things that are difficult for ourselves and our family members and friends and our culture, we're not doing anyone any good if we're not thinking through things, thinking through particularly logical fallacies. You're a bigot. You know what? That's an ad hominem attack. It means against the person. You don't attack me, address my argument. When you're willing to look at my argument and not just attack me, because that's a way to get out of discussion. But that's what happens today. There's no discussion. 
People flare up. They get upset. They attack other people. Well, so-and-so was born that way, therefore they should be able to get married. That's the fallacy of non sequitur. It doesn't follow. Just because you may or may not have been born that way, which you yet still have to prove, doesn't mean all of a sudden you can do this. But yet we never ask those questions because we don't want to offend or we don't want to upset or we don't want to get attacked. But we've got to be willing to stand up and talk because if not, a lot of damage is going to be done in the name of justice, in the name of civil rights. Look what happened in Indiana a couple of weeks ago. This woman was being interviewed. She never oppressed anybody, but she just gave her opinion and she started getting death threats to close down her business. This is what dialogue is, where we allow our emotions to trump our reason. We can't sit down and dialogue. Particularly, this may be a sensitive issue, but we have got to be willing to put our emotions aside and sit and have a discussion and not get personally offended. We live in a culture today where everybody wants to get offended. But you know what? The only thing that offends me is people who are easily offended. If you're really easily offended, I, I can't discuss this because I don't like being compared to this or that. Well, then we're never going to discuss this. You've got to be able to put your feelings aside to be able to talk about issues. I'm passionate about abortion. I, I'm upset that babies are being killed. But I can still put that aside and sit and have a reasonable discussion with you. If we're allowing ourselves to get offended so easily and we don't have discussion, you know what the problem is? It's called narcissism. We can't put our own feelings aside to discuss issues. We're moving ahead where people listen to slogans all the time and they're based their whole lives off of slogans. I want gay marriage because it's the same love. Is it really the same love? Is it really the same love? Please explain to me why that is. I have yet to see someone who can. Because if we count the body, it's not the same love. If it's all feelings and emotions, maybe it is. But then again, polygamy is the same love. Incestuous marriage is the same love. We could go down the list. I'm not trying to tell anybody how to think about this, even though we as Catholics and Christians should listen to the church and understand what the church teaches, and there's a deep reason for this, but we've got to think. Con pantalones. Use your mind, not just your feelings and emotions. And men are very, very guilty of this too. Goodness gracious. Number four, we need to stand and fight. Con pantalones means you have a courage and you're willing to stand your ground and you're willing to fight if you need to. Fight if you need to. We call this the virtue of fortitude or the virtue of courage. Two levels. To be able to attack. A courageous person can go out for attack, but a courageous person can also withstand an attack. Not be offended and not start getting upset. And to say, listen, yeah, you might be attacking me, but you know what? I'm going to keep my calm, and I'm going to go back and defend what I believe to be true. It's a natural virtue, but it's also supernatural. It's a gift of the Spirit. The Lord can pour that upon us. So we need to persevere in withstanding the attack, willing to take a stand for what we believe. When the crosses begin to come, whether it be from the culture and our own lives, they're able to say, you can attack me all you want, particularly it speaks of spiritual warfare. We've talked about a lot of natural things that go wrong with their spiritual warfare. The evil one can come tempt us. And you say, you know what, I'm going to put on the spiritual armor and I'm not going to back down. You're not going to win. You have no power over me because I have been redeemed by Jesus. Knowing that no matter what happens, God will fight for us. And there's sometimes that we're going to have to fight. 
When we hear things, we're going to say, listen, I'm going to do it in a very kind and loving way, but I'm going to stand up for what I believe, even though I might get my head locked off. I might get attacked. Because the rights of the innocent, our rights, the, the goodness in the world, sometimes needs to be defended. And sometimes that's the thing. Evil triumphs when good men and women do nothing. We've got to be able to stand up for what we believe, willing to sacrifice ourselves. That's the courage it takes to face the cross, no matter what form it comes in. And then finally, and this is going to be the one that might sort of blow your mind, when we talk about con pantalones, these manly virtues, fifth, we have to learn to be weak. Wait a second, Father, I thought men were strong and they were powerful. Now, I'm not a big fan of the sort of macho spirituality, wild man spirituality. There's some goodness to it, but too often, the men that I've seen are too hard-headed, too hard-hearted, and too desirous to be controlled. Let's think of this at the yesterday. There's like a retreat here every weekend, or almost every weekend, and they pack 60 to 70 women. They have like one or two for men during the year. I don't need a retreat. I'm, I don't need to go to church. I, I just need football. I need beer. I need to go hunting. These things are all fine. Men don't want to. And part of it is men like to control and dominate. They don't like to be weak and vulnerable. And women, that's why women tend to be in church more. They tend to be holier because they are more open and receptive to the Lord's grace. And so men need to learn to do that, to be vulnerable, to learn their own weakness. That's what makes a man a true man, to admit this is, you know, being a super tough guy is not being a true man. Being a true man is learning to accept one's weakness and one's fallenness. And I have women come to me and say, Father, I'm just praying for my husband that he can just touch his heart and just know the love of the divine bridegroom. Woman, that's the wrong prayer. <laughs> that's good for you and your daughters. The way the Lord, sometimes he may woo a man like that, but generally... If God wants a man to be converted, he's going not to have to soften his heart, but crack his skull. So usually I see those hard men, they're the ones who get cancer. They're the ones who lose their children. They're the ones who are struck with suffering, and the Lord breaks them down. Not fun at all. Teaching them, to teach us humility, God often has to humiliate us. And that's what it means to learn to be weak, to be vulnerable to be able to go beyond justice, I'm a man, and to learn to show mercy. And so we think of the typical male traits. This is the real male trait, learning to be weak, learning to be vulnerable, but you can't do it yourself. That's why I've said this before. You can give me 10 women, and I can do a lot of good, 10 holy women, but you give me one holy man, that's worth more than 10 women. One holy man will change things like you cannot believe. Being a leader of a family, being in a parish, having those men step up into true holiness, learning to pray, learning to be open to God's grace, that's what con pantalones really means. It's ironic and it's somewhat of a paradox, but it's the truth. And how do I know this? How do I know this? All of these characteristics are exemplified in one person. Jesus. Jesus, who was a man. He wore a tunic, he probably didn't wear pants, but still, Jesus was the one who was willing to take risks. He, was, he persevered, long-suffering. 
Imagine living at home for 30 years. That's long-suffering. <laughs> Thinking over feeling. He didn't get offended. He called people to think through things. He used reason and logic. He stand. He fought. He cleared the temple out when he had to. But he was weak. He learned obedience. It was in the weakness that he was strong because he trusted in the Father. So he must become Jesus, the divine mercy, our example and source of strength. Otherwise, we begin to rely too much on ourselves. Come pantalonis, I'm strong. No, it's only in the Lord. And the only way that when we're weak, as Paul tells us, are we really strong. Paul's thorn in his side. Paul had to realize that he couldn't depend on himself. He had to depend on Jesus and his grace. And Jesus did it. His example, not by coming and destroying all of his enemies, but instead allowing his enemies to destroy him. Jesus on the cross, there's that funny picture. He's like muscular Jesus, and he's breaking the arms of the cross. That's not the Lord. The Lord is the one who became weak and died. doesn't mean that we don't stand up for what's true, but it means that we give ourselves over to the Lord in accepting his will out of love for us. But knowing the Lord, the Father is going to bring about the true victory. That's the resurrection. We look at the cross, yeah, and we, we appreciate the cross. But what are we celebrating today? We're celebrating the resurrection. We celebrate Good Friday for one day. We celebrate the resurrection for eight days and then for 50 days. I mean, extending it the whole entire way. The Easter season is very, very long because that's the importance of the resurrection. And the Lord gives us the spirit baptism and confirmation to transform us and to make us persevere. So I'm going to close with this. I, I, as I said, was an English major. I love words. And I particularly love to find the origins of words. Does anybody know where the word pants comes from? Pants, which we say in English, pantalones in Spanish, pants. Remember back in the early days, they used to call them the pantaloons. Pants is short for pantaloons. Well, if you do the research, pantaloons comes from a saint. There's a saint, Saint Pantaleone, Saint Pantaleone, who was probably lived in the third century, was a physician, we believe, and who died as a martyr, and very hailed and very revered and honored in the early church. There's a church called the St. Pantaleone in Rome. Well, if you look at the name Pantaleone, so pantaloon, pants comes from that, pantalon, it comes from two words in Greek. Now, some people may argue the exact origins, but for the purpose of this argument, it seems to be the best. Pan, in Greek, means all. Like the pantheon, it means pantheon, all the gods. Leo means lion. Leo the lion. Leonine. And so pantalone, pantaleone, means all lion. All lion. And so we believe that name may have come because St. Pantaleon was all lion, who's willing to face death. He was strong. But the real issue is, though, if we think about it, we say con pants, con, con pantalones, with pants, all lion. Who is the lion? Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so in, in, in C.S. Lewis's works, the, the, the Aslan, the lion, is symbolic of Christ. 
And so when we say con pantalones, we mean all lion, all Christ. We mean we're going to put on Christ. So when she tells the sisters that, I want you to wear con pantalones, I want you to have those manly virtues. I want you to conform yourself to Christ, who is all lion, who is all lion. To have that strength that comes to the Lord, not from yourself, not from yourself. Because that's a beautiful understanding of what that really, really means. Not strength and toughness as the world means, but is Christ who is a lion, the tribe of Judah, who is strong but willing to die so that he could come back in that resurrected body. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So I know we don't have much time until we have Mass and whatnot. I'm going to give you a few little brief exercises to pray about and think about. First of all, what are some of the ways that you have not exhibited con pantalones? That manly courage. No matter what way we talked about, we haven't been willing to stand up for what we believe. We haven't lived con pantalones. Number two, I'm going to challenge you. And again, this could be a topic of a whole different issue. When it comes to those controversial issues, I'm going to challenge you to start thinking through them, to be able to ask questions, to step back and sort of look at it from a different perspective. We know what the church teaches, we know what the natural law is, but to begin thinking about it a little bit more. Maybe ask the sisters from some different resources to go and kind of understand all of these presuppositions that we might have, particularly when you hear things from the media, when you read things in the paper. Sit back and say, wait a second, what does that really mean? And, not be and don't be afraid to ask questions and pressure people in love and kindness to defend their position. Someone comes up and says, you know, same love. What, what does that even mean? You're just saying that. Tell me what it means. And I can assure you they're not able to do it because they haven't thought through it. Don't fall in that same trap. And then finally, let's pray to have that strength of all lion, pantaleone, the strength of Christ. And to realize that we need the Lord's strength. We need his manly virtue if we are going to be able to carry that cross and truly be transformed in him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, or without end. Amen.